no running would be a good idea. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. John chapter 21, and we'll begin reading in verse number 15. John chapter 21 in verse number 15. We'll begin reading. The Bible says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He, Peter, saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This he spake, This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity we have to once again get into your word. I just pray that um, you give me clarity of thought, clarity of um, speech, and that your word would be communicated and that you would be free to speak to hearts tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hate... The beach. I just do. I don't like the beach at all. I don't like sand. I don't like water. I don't like going. You go to the beach and there's crowds and crowds of people. There's inappropriate stuff that happens at the beach. I just don't like the beach at all. I've been to the beach by myself, just um, just by myself with some friends. Everything was fine. There wasn't people. There wasn't um, there was sand. But I just don't like the beach. I don't. Now I can promise you. One of the reasons why I do not like the beach is I do not know how to swim. I don't know how to swim. This is just fact. And therefore, the water has a certain... I'm afraid of the water. I don't want to go into the water because I don't know how to swim. There's just a certain fear there for me. And when I think about that, I'm like, you know what? I'd rather just go into the mountains. I know how to climb rocks. I don't know how to swim. There's... Um, My failure to learn how to swim, which I didn't really necessarily have a lot of opportunities, but the fact that I don't know how to swim discourages me from even liking the beach, despite other things that I wouldn't like about it. But it's also this is also true in other areas of life. If you I'm a fan of baseball and if you watch 
a baseball player, even if he's a good player, they all go through times where they don't hit the ball well. They go through what's called a slump. And the longer the slump lasts, usually the more unconfident the player gets at the plate. The more times he's doubtful whether he can even hit the ball, the longer his failure is, the less likely he is to come out of the slump. A person who fails a drive test, Rachel, Rachel's in the nursery tonight, she just took her drive test and she passed, as many of you know. But a person who fails their drive test the first time, when they go back a second time, if, they, if they're thinking about what, everything they did wrong the first time, they are more likely to fail the second time. Why? Because they're allowing their past failure to influence their current behavior. Or someone at a public event, how many have seen a little kid gets up there to make a speech or whatever and they totally break down or they're supposed to play their instrument or do something and they totally, they just flop it. It it just happens as part of life. But they use that as an excuse and that failure begins to put a mental block in them and now they're afraid to ever set foot on a platform again or ever to speak in front of people again because they failed this one time. But isn't it true we sometimes allow that to happen in our spiritual lives? Where we're trying to live for God, how many times has pastor said, let's raise our hands, how many of us have failed this week, how many of us have sinned, and if we did it again tonight, we would all raise our hands because we are human, we fail. We, as we are trying to live for God, we, we call it often mistakes, but we make wrong choices, we sin, we do wrong things. But what can happen if we're not careful is we can allow our failures, when we sin against God, we can allow that to become a mental block in our minds. Like someone who becomes afraid to swing the bat because they know they're going to miss. Someone who becomes afraid to take that test because of past failures. They can allow themselves, you and I can allow ourselves to become afraid to fully follow Jesus because we know we failed in the past. We, that can become almost like a mental block. And that's where we find the disciples tonight. Now, you're going to have to stay with me. We're only, we don't have a lot of time, but I need to go back and do some background before we get to this time of the text we read. So if everybody can stay with me, we're going to move quite rapidly. Most of you are very familiar with the events of uh, the Passion Week where Jesus died on the cross. But we have to go back there if we're going to arrive where um, I believe the text wants us to. The last three weeks have been the highest and the lowest points of the disciples' life. The disciples get together. They go with Jesus. They find out that Lazarus is dead. They get with Je- they're with Jesus probably in Galilee. And Jesus says, let's go up into Judea. Hi. Let's go up into Judea. So they go up, they're like, Jesus, the Jews are trying to kill you. He's like, we need to go up to, we need to go up to Judea. So the disciples follow Jesus. They go to the tomb of Lazarus, who has been dead for four days. We know that story. Lazarus has been dead four days. There's many people weeping there. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. And even at that time, even many of the Pharisees believe on Jesus when Lazarus is raised from the dead. Just this great miracle that happened. And it is exciting. And then the next Saturday, there is the um, triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. Where 
the Jewish people as a nation, they realize that Jesus is, is, is claiming to be the Messiah. And they welcome Him with open arms and there's shouts and there's praises and there's just excitement there. And they're like, many people are thinking, Jesus has come to set up the earthly kingdom. We're going to be done with Rome at this time. Yes, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been praying for. We're going to have the kingdom here. And then later that week, Jesus is betrayed. And Jesus is taken and crucified. And during that time, during that time of turmoil, where they're going through this, and Jesus is trying to tell them that whole week, I'm going to die. They're going to take me and they're going to crucify me. And the, the, the disciples are still worried about, at that time, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. You could go through the Gospels, and they're fighting about who's going to be the greatest, because they think the kingdom is coming in right then. And then they get to the Last Supper. And Jesus washes the disciples' feet and showing humility. And there's a little bit of confusion. In this, and Jesus begins to teach the disciples many things. And then Jesus tells Peter, the vocal, the leader of the disciples, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, I'm not, Lord. It's not going to happen. I'm going to follow you. Though I would die, I'm not going to forsake you. And Jesus, and all the disciples say that. They want to follow the Lord. They want to follow Jesus. They even say they would give their lives for Jesus. But then comes the time in the Garden of Gethsemane where the disciples sleep while Jesus is praying. And they wake up to find Judas and the army or the soldiers from the Pharisees coming to take Jesus away from them. And Peter draws out his sword and he's going to defend Jesus. He's going to stand by what he said. And Jesus tells him, put up your sword. This is not, this is not the way we do things. And Peter's a little bit discouraged. He's a little bit shaken up in his thinking. They, they all run. They flee. Peter follows Jesus afar off and they go into the temple or into the complex where they take and they try Jesus. And Peter sits down at the fire outside with the servants of the high priest. And he can hear the murmur of what's going on in the room. And he's just, if you remember the story, he's just whacked off one of those guys' ears. And Jesus healed him. So he's probably, hope, I hope that guy doesn't come back. So he's, he's hunkered down a little bit. He wants to be close to Jesus. But he's still, he's too far away. He isn't in where Jesus is. He can't be necessarily. And suddenly someone comes up and says, there's one of his disciples. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Peter denies the Lord. And then it happens again. And Peter denies the Lord again. And then it happens a third time where someone said, no, your, your speech is the Galilean. You're, you're, from Jesus, you're from the area Jesus is from. You're one of his disciples. And he begins to curse and he begins to swear. And no, I am not. I do not know the man. And the Bible says Jesus looked on him. Maybe he was coming up out of the room or the door was open or something. And Peter goes out and he weeps bitterly. And then Jesus is crucified and he's dead. Everything the disciples, they've been following Jesus, they've been learning about it, and to them it seems ended. And then three days later, they hear, begin to hear stories that, wait a second, Jesus has risen from the dead. And they go to the tomb and the tomb is empty. And then that night, finally, Jesus appears to them in the upper room and they're trying to climb out a second story building. 
through the, through the walls. They're going crazy. And then Jesus says, no, I'm alive. Touch me. Handle me. And he, begins, he eats some food in front of them and begins to talk to them and begins to explain. Them the, and there's some of that excitement. Suddenly, they go from the depths of despair up. Wait a second. Jesus, who we saw die, we saw him buried, is alive again. And then the next, Thomas wasn't with, with them. The next week, Jesus appears again on a Sunday night. And Thomas believes, Jesus says, you know, put, put your hands in my fin- in the uh, nail prints in my hand and thrust your hand into my side. Don't be doubting, but believe. Or faithless and believe. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God, and he falls on his face and worships Christ. Then we hear, then um, comparing Scripture, the disciples are told to go to Galilee to wait for Jesus. So the disciples are on their way back to Galilee. They're traveling the familiar roads that they've traveled with Jesus often. That they grew up on. They're going back to their hometown. Well, they get back to the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible states at the beginning of chapter 21, verse number 3, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. Now, what's interesting is the tense of... The verb, when it says, I go fishing, is its present active indicative, basically, it's a complicated way of saying, it starts now and it's continuing. I am going fishing, is what Peter's saying. Now, was Peter saying, I quit on God? We don't know exactly, but he was going back to his former occupation as a fisherman. And he goes back. The other disciples, the Bible says there's six other disciples there. There's James and John. Nathaniel is there. Philip, or Nathaniel is there. Thomas is there. And it says two other disciples. Some believe that would probably be Philip and Andrew because they were from the same area there in Galilee. And they say, all right, Peter, you're going fishing. We're going fishing with you. They get a boat. They get their nets, they get some nets together. They went and dug it out of storage. We're going fishing tonight. And they begin to go fishing. That night seems a familiar place for Peter, at least from what we know in the Bible. He catches nothing. I know that's a familiar place with me fishing, but Peter was a professional fisherman. He was used to fishing. Maybe he's like, ah, man, I can't even fish tonight. I'm, I'm rusty. But Peter isn't all right necessarily in his in his mind right now he's going back fishing and in the morning they they're working all night they're toiling all night they catch nothing as the morning has come they're probably about a uh, the bible says 200 cubits right around 100 yards offshore there's a man standing on shore and he says children have you caught anything we're like, hey boys, you got it? You catch anything tonight? They go, no. We didn't catch a thing. Not good fishing tonight. Suddenly he says, cast the net on the right side. It's going over. They're shouting back and forth across the water. Cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find. If he knows what they're talking to each other, if he knows where the fish is, how come he ain't fishing? Whatever. One of the disciples probably says, we can't do any worse than we've already done all night. Just give it a chance. So, 
they throw their nets over on the right side of the boat. And suddenly, they're pulling, they're pulling, and they're, I think Peter's starting to have flashbacks at this point. He's like, wait a second. This, this ain't just a normal catch here. And he, they're pulling, and all of a sudden, they're, everybody's yelling and pulling. You ever seen all of a sudden something like every, everything's chill? It's kind of like in a subway station when the train comes in. And all of a sudden, everybody's running to get on the train. Every, on, uh, on the morning, you see everybody just walking calmly to the station. All of a sudden, they hear the train. Everything starts happening. That's kind of like, if you could hit that picture in your mind, that's kind of like what's happening. Everybody's just kind of like, I'm ready to go to sleep. And all of a sudden, they're pulling on the nets. And everybody's there. And everybody's yelling and grabbing and saying, get this line, wait a second. And they're yelling back and forth. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, John says... Hey, Peter, it's Jesus. And this is, this is where I get Peter probably wasn't supposed to be on the fishing trip. As soon as Peter hears it's Jesus, he doesn't say, well, we were supposed to be fishing. Let's take it in. He jumps out of the boat. He says, forget this. He grabs his coat. He's been fishing. He just jumps. He's going to swim the hundred yards to shore. He says, I'm abandoned ship. This is over, guys. Bad idea. I'm getting out of here. Peter, Peter, the Bible says he cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples are like, hey, Peter, we got to get these fish in. So they start, they start um, bringing the net, bringing the net to shore. And they find Jesus waiting on the shore for him. He's got a fire already going. Breakfast is waiting on the disciples. There's bread, there's fish already on the fire. Jesus, I found this interesting. Jesus tells them in verse number... Um, Verse number 10, it says, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. They didn't catch anything until Jesus told them. So there was no sense of, he's like, hey, bring some of the stuff you come and come join the dinner. He's like, come on, bring some of the stuff I told you where to find it. There, there's no sense of accomplishment in bringing that fish. You know, when, you, when I go out fishing, I say, hey, dad, I caught a fish. We were on vacation. I, you know, I caught a nice bass. And I'm like, I caught a nice fish, dad. no. It's like being a little boy who reels in his dad's, yeah, I caught it. But I, there's no sense of accomplishment in that. And the disciples were probably pretty, pretty sheepish right now. They're like, yeah, we, whose idea was this? Why did we go fishing? We were supposed to come up here and wait for Jesus. Why did we go fishing? There's, and the disciples sit down and Jesus begins to distribute the bread as a host would, distribute the fish to the disciples. And the Bible says nobody dared to ask if it was Jesus. They knew it was Jesus, but nobody was like, is that really you, Jesus? They were a little bit nervous. They were, there was a certain amount of tension in the air. While they were eating, nothing is recorded that was said in the Scriptures. And at the end of the meal, Jesus just takes the just that tension that's in the air and just ramps it up. He just total it just the situation just goes from tense to everybody is just like stone faced quiet. It just they're stunned. Because Jesus, to the person, Peter, he had initiated the fishing trip. He was the leader of the disciples. They'd finished eating. And Jesus saith to Simon Peter, the Bible says, Simon, 
son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And Jesus is publicly challenging, publicly questioning Peter's love and devotion to God right in front of the other disciples. Then he asked him again. And then he asked him again. By the time he gets to the third questions, he asks Simon Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Now, if you read a commentary on that, everybody's going to say a different thing. Is, is it because Peter claimed to love Jesus more than the other disciples? Or was it because, was Jesus, was the these referring to the fish? Very simply, it could be both. It could be, he's like, but probably more than likely it was the fish. Because he had gone back to fishing. He's like, Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And then he says, then he shortens the question, Jesus does. He just said, Simon Peter, lovest thou me? Simon Peter, or Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? The Bible says at the third time, Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time. No doubt, sitting around a fire once again and hearing Jesus question him that third time brought back haunting memories of another time just a few weeks earlier at a fire where he had denied the Lord. That failure, that time that he bitterly regretted was being confronted publicly with him. He remembers the pain of that. He remembers how he went out and wept bitterly after that. He, and now he comes, he was, you know, he's met with Jesus. He's talked with Jesus. But then Jesus says, go up there and wait for me. And he goes up and Jesus comes back and he finds Peter fishing. That wasn't exactly the way Peter wanted to see Jesus again was him out in a boat fishing. He was hoping that would to um, have his catch back and say, see, at least I caught something before Jesus came back probably. I'm using a little bit of imagination there. But Peter is totally broken in front of these other disciples by this questioning of Jesus. He responds, he says, Lord, yea, Lord, He says, yes, Lord, I love you. Thou knowest that I love thee. Peter still loved the Lord. It wasn't that he had stopped loving the Lord. But he'd allowed, he'd begin to take a step back from following the Lord. It wasn't that he had, he's like, I still love you, Lord, but I just can't follow you like I used to. I went fishing. I denied you. I guess I need to... I still love you, Lord, but maybe I need to go fishing again. And Jesus goes, Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He says, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He says, Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He says, Lord... Thou knowest all things. Thou knowest 
that I love thee. Jesus' command each time to Peter, as Peter responds saying, Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. You know that I love you. Jesus has responded to Peter and been, Feed my lambs. It's a command. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Peter, more than likely, I'm using a little bit of imagination here, but he's like, but I denied the Lord. I failed the Lord. Jesus is saying, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I still love you. Feed my sheep. And then he commands him, he tells him, there's going to be suffering coming. You're, going to, you're not going to die a way you would like to die. But still, follow me. It's another command. Jesus gives Peter two simple commands. Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Follow me. That's the two commands in this passage. That's the two commands Jesus gave Peter. But why did Jesus not do that alone? Why did Jesus publicly challenge Peter? Why did he publicly challenge his love and devotion to to God? That's what Jesus did. He publicly challenged him. One of the reasons probably Peter, the other disciples knew about Peter's failure. They knew about Peter's denial. And Jesus wanted to give him a chance to publicly affirm his love for Jesus. But it wasn't just that. It wasn't just so the other disciples could see Peter say, Yes, I love you, Lord. Peter needed some working on if he was going to do what God wanted him to do. Because God had some plans for Peter. Even though Peter had denied the Lord, even though Peter, because he denied the Lord, had allowed that failure to sit in his mind, and then he started going fishing again, God still had some plans for Peter. And the reason Jesus so publicly and so just cut to the quick of it, opened Peter up for it um, just in front of people and just blasted him, we might say, just opened him up, was because Peter needed to leave his past failures and refocus his love and devotion on Christ if he was going to be able to fulfill the responsibilities that Jesus had for him. God still had some things that he wanted Peter to do, but if Peter was going to do that, there was going to have to come a time when Peter left his failures behind and refocused his love upon Jesus Christ, refocused himself on the person who had saved him, who had brought him, and realized that God still wanted to use him. Peter had failed the Lord and was struggling with going back to fishing. And Jesus had to refocus Peter's love for the Lord if Peter was going to continue to follow him. And the same is true today. I asked at the beginning of the sermon, how many times has pastor stood up here and said, how many have sinned this week? How many times have we failed the Lord this week? And we all could think back even to today, earlier today, of times when we have been trying to follow the Lord and we have been trying to do what God has told us to do, but we have allowed something to come into our lives through our choices. We may, it may not, definitely we're not at a fire standing outside saying, I never knew Jesus. But we may do the exact same thing when we fail to witness to a co-worker. When we fail, when things start happening and there's 
things that are not honoring to Christ going on, and we refuse to turn our backs on that. And honor, and we honor, try to fit in with people that are around us instead of honoring Christ. And we can deny the Lord in similar instances. Not necessarily like that, but whatever the instance is, we can fail the Lord. And Peter was taking that, what happened to Peter, and he was allowing that to affect how he was following the Lord now. Just like a baseball player. He would, Peter was afraid to try again. He had started taking up fishing again. We can all allow our past failures, our past struggles, our past things we've done even recently or before to come and pull us away and remove our focus from Jesus Christ. But if, we, if you are still alive today, if you are still here, it's because God still has a purpose for your life. It's God still wants to use you. If you are saved and you are alive, it's because God still has a plan for your life. If He didn't, He would take you home. But if you are still here, God still has something He wants you to do. And if you are going to follow Him as a disciple of Jesus Christ, even if you have failed Him, and we all have, what you cannot do is allow those failures to push us farther away from Christ. What we must do is what Jesus did to Peter. He said, Peter, I know you failed me, but did you love, do you love me now? Yes, Lord, I know that you love me. I know that I love, you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. What we must do is leave our failures with Jesus to love and follow Him. Often, every time, we, make, we, we call it mistakes, but we, we sin. We make wrong choices. We do things we look back and we bitterly regret them. We regret them just as much as Peter regretted denying Jesus in the garden. But you must, if you're going to follow Jesus, you must leave those with Jesus. Otherwise, it's going to become something that's going to become a block and push you further and further away. You might say, but you don't know what I've done. Jesus already knows all and is calling, calling you to come and to follow Him. You might say, everybody knows my failures. Well, what about Peter? The other disciples surely knew he had denied Jesus. You need to refocus your love for the Savior. You need to let Jesus ask you, Lovest thou me more than these? To that, can you respond, Lord, you know, you know everything. You know that I love thee. If Jesus asked you that question today, could you respond in that way? Do you truly love the Lord? And then, if you're, going to follow, if you're going to follow Jesus, you must leave your failures with Jesus. Refocus your love on Jesus. Allow Him to refocus that for you. And then follow and obey the commands that God gives you. That's what Peter was supposed to do. He was supposed to lead the sheep, feed the sheep, and follow Him. The command to care for the Lord's sheep, that was to a pastor. Peter was to be a pastor. Peter was to take care of the Lord's sheep. But the command to follow Him is a command to every disciple. 
Every disciple of Jesus Christ is commanded to follow Jesus. That's what a disciple does. Jesus has specific duties and responsibilities that He wants you to fulfill. Here at the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Showing up to service regularly. It might be as a greeter, a nursery worker, junior church or toddler's church worker. Singing your best in church. Being an encouragement to the pastor. Tithing, giving to missions. Just being here. Being being an encouragement to somebody else who walks in. God wants you. God has responsibilities for each one of us to fulfill. That's why we are still here. But we can allow our past failures, our past choices, to push us away from the Lord. To remove our focus from the Lord. That's what happened to Peter. And it can happen to every one of us. What we need to learn is to leave our failures with Jesus. Leave what we do. We're, gonna, we're, we're humans. We're, gonna, we're going to sin. That doesn't mean we have to, but it's going to happen. What we need to do is leave those with Jesus Christ. And make sure that our love is right with Jesus Christ. And then we can follow Him. We can make progress. We're no longer stopped. When we refuse to deal with our failures with Jesus Christ and allow Him to forgive us and cleanse us from our sins, we will never be able to continue to follow Jesus. If Peter had said, Lord, I'm done, and just walked away, that, wouldn't, that wasn't what God's plan was for Peter. God wanted Peter to become who we read about in the book of Acts. And he knew he would. But Peter had to make that choice. To leave it with Jesus. To refocus his love on Jesus. Not his, not his failures. Not what, not what he had done. But refocus his... Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me. Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Then follow me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you this evening and we thank you for your word. I just pray that it would speak to hearts, Lord, and that we would do business with you tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just want to pray there in your seat, or if you need to come to the altar, we won't have the piano play tonight.